This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast, brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined as always by the wonderful Paul Parker, former Manchester United defender. How are you doing, Paul? I'm fine, thank you very much, Wayne. Yeah, it's uh, another, well, uh, the um, standard phrase for opening these shows, isn't it? Uh, another mixed week <laughs> for Manchester United um, out of the Champions League. Um, so let's talk about that first of all Leipzig um, United only need a draw to go through they conspired to go three goals down they come back with a late um, couple of goals but it only spares a couple of blushes not really much else because it doesn't hide the fact that we're out of the Champions League we spent all this time focusing on qualification as the be all and end all um, for the tournament and I don't mean just from the group actually qualifying for the tournament because when you look at the um, managers it's the main sporting factor by which they've being judged basically and hired and fired um, and when you get there the squad should have been equipped for it it, it hasn't been and despite all that Paul we, and despite the fact that we've talked about this and talked about the owners and everything it still feels that we could have done better and we should have done better in the group I mean for all all parties you can give some blame you can blame the owners for insufficient investment for not taking it seriously you can blame the players because they've made a lot of big errors I mean, to talk about some of the defending again. It's not just that goal in Istanbul. It's also Martial's finishing against Paris. It's um, Fred. I, we can blame the manager for perhaps not taking Fred off, but Fred's impetuousness has also put him in that position. The manager sometimes shows too much trust to the players. For example, he set up a formation that did well against Paris, but it wasn't suitable for Leipzig away, but he, he still went with the same formation. So everyone shares a bit of the blame, and it's, um, it's a bit of an head-scratcher for me, Paul, because obviously we play so much stock in qualifying for the Champions League, and we see this just all too often. Yeah, I mean, what comes, you know, what comes along has suddenly just disappeared very, very quickly, and it was... And, he, you know, Manchester United were in control of it. They were there sitting now, just relaxed, and it was happening for them, you know, with the PSG result away from home as well. You look at that and you think to yourself, right, OK, this is going to be a formality. And then you end up with egg on your face, which football does have a way of doing that sometimes when you get that little bit too comfortable. And it's blowing up in, in Manchester United's face because... They're now in you know Europa League. It's, it's the Europa League, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, they are, they are now back in that. But when you look at it, 
there's an opportunity for them to to maybe go and win it. Mm. You know, that's the position. That's what you can talk about now. But as you know, with the Europa League, it's there seems to be teams that are you know specialist teams in that in that tournament. Yeah, yeah. United um, talks me through that defeat in Germany then, because three awful goals. Um, the first of them, Wambasek has got a lot of blame for this, and as rightly should because you know his positioning is bad. But you look at it again, and I just see that attacker going the other side of Lindelof and and just feel sorry for Wambasek. I'm not saying that Wambasek played well. It was one of his worst games for the club, but he was set up in a bad situation from this moment really and, and I felt I don't know if well you're the, the expert on this Paul you can talk us through it um, sometimes bad defenders make other people look bad and I felt that that's what we saw a little bit with um, let's say bad defenders bad defending can make other defenders look bad so Lindelof getting the wrong side of his man as we've seen him do time and time again it makes Wambasaka's decision look even worse than what it was, and and from that on, the, uh, from that moment, the tone set, isn't it? Yeah, I just think Wambasaka was too honest. He he sensed a bit of danger, and he's gone to help a teammate out, but he forgot that he had someone sitting over his shoulder, and and that's and that's what went against him. Maybe he was just that little bit too honest about it, and and then you what you are doing as well, you're asking United to swap from one formation defensively to another formation you keep flicking them you know flicking back and it's been too many times he's done it and Manchester United have got away with it um the last time I can remember him performing like this with a three at the back or a five at the back whatever you call it was away at the Emirates where Arsenal just wiped the floor of them really Arsenal just knew how to play against them Leipzig knew how they just totally overloaded it um Angelino just stayed where he was you know, if you know, he just stayed in a wide area, and and it made it difficult for Wampasaka to know what what to do next. Especially as he's he's not experienced as playing as a wing back, and I think maybe another time he'd mostly push on and say to Angelino, "I'm going to take you the other way, so you can't come this way." And he, but he didn't do it. He just sat in there and become a flat back five. It allowed Angelino to push on. And it, and it and that was them. That was United finished playing that system. It just didn't it didn't work out the way it was supposed to work out. It allowed um, Leipzig to to take the game to United, and they didn't know what to do. And when in theory, when you've got players who with not a great deal of pace, only I'm saying the back four, back five, the only one with a great deal of pace really is Wan Pasaka. You were then relying on positional strength and organisation skills and communication. United haven't got those players. They just haven't got the players to actually to go and play. Who are going to who are going to talk to each other and help each other through it? They haven't got it, and that's why they were found wanting. You get knocked out by a team that you fresh at Old Trafford, and then you go to Germany and the scoreline flatters in the end in Germany. In theory, doesn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, it really was because we were so bad. The way that they talked after the game, and we'll talk about that in a moment, the sort of reaction. Um, but I just, for me, it felt like the United collectively felt like they were unlucky, and they weren't unlucky. They won the first two games, and they didn't, you know, do anything good since then in the group. They weren't unlucky not to go through. They weren't good enough. I didn't. I just don't understand. Um, it, it's kind of like it removes some of the um, responsibility. I think really, you think that you start putting it down to luck and stuff like that. You're trying to sort of say that you weren't culpable for for what happened, and and everyone was. Like I said earlier, I think everyone shares um, something. I, th- I do think yes, the quality of the players is the primary reason, but the reason for that is because the manager hasn't been backed. And I look at it on on face value, Paul, and I look at the fact that it was two semi-finalists from last year. But I also think that... I don't want to say that's a false position for those teams, but because of the way that the the last season ended, it wasn't like you're saying these are definitely two of the best four teams in Europe. And I think we've seen that because we're definitely not in the best four teams in Europe. And and we... um, 
we you know we beat both of those teams in in the group so I, I do think that you know it's just blame on everyone's hands really and it's just a, another sort of I feel like it's a, it, it's all edging towards that reset that we've talked about before you know that everything going back to square one and everything you just hope that it doesn't um but in order to do that and move on, they're just going to have to stop making these same mistakes. And the, the first, um, well, the first and the third call in Germany, I thought were just really symbolic of where United are and the mistakes that they're always likely to make. Um, and then you get to the City game, um, which is nil nil, and one of the worst games you're ever likely to see. But defensively, they're not troubled at all. Um, so I mean. Where do we go with this one, Paul? Because I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it was a good game; it was a terrible game. But um, defensively, they were they were fine. There was one moment in the the first half where Sterling got the better of Wambasaka for once. But apart from that, or maybe De Bruyne pulling uh, Shaw out of position um, when he did the um, when he did that re- really good pass. And you always, I mean, you likely to see that from Shaw anyway. But they didn't make the most of the basically the best two chances that they had, which were in the first half. Apart from that, United were comfortable defensively. Do, do, would you agree, agree with that one? Yeah, I was actually there on um, Saturday. I was up for the game, working mm. at the game. So to actually to to come up for the game was good. It was good before kickoff. When I was travelling back home, I felt myself Christ. That was that was that was a lot of stress for such a poor game. To be perfectly honest, I, felt, I suppose the only good thing that come out of it is I sat on the train for what three and a half hours and. I was on the train with Martin Tyler. I hadn't seen him for a while, so we had a great conversation coming home, just about football in general. So it worked out all right. But we didn't, we didn't, we didn't. Yeah, when we say football in general, we definitely didn't talk about that game. So, but um, we have to um, look at it and just say, you know, actually couldn't afford to get beat. I think Ollie set up that way. I think he must have instructed them on what to do and how he wanted things. He didn't want to get beat. And everyone had a job to do when Manchester United didn't have the ball. The problem was that when they had the ball, there wasn't anything that was really going to happen when they had the ball. When they did get in the final third, they just had too many players who were making too many poor decisions with the ball. Rashford, again, was one of the biggest culprits. His decision-making is quite poor, to be perfectly honest. When he when he does get the ball, um, when the, one of the bonuses was Luke Shaw done very well, Mares couldn't get in the game. I think that Paul Pogba was very disciplined in the way he played. He actually played as a left midfield player in the first half and stuck in that, and I'm um, sorry and stuck in that corridor, not allowing the ball Mares to drop in deep and get the ball to his feet so he could actually try and get one against one against Luke Shaw would always be a worry. And then they changed that around. Torres comes on. He tried a couple of times and Luke Shaw, done, he'd done okay. The problem is there's not enough games like that. Wampasaka against Sterling and other players struggles on decision-making. I don't know why he believes that he's going to ever beat Wampasaka one against one. I don't know why he keeps trying it. He keeps trying the same thing all the time and it doesn't seem to work. But Man City, you talk about United having problems. City... Didn't look like I didn't look right. I don't know if Pep Pep seemed content not to want to win that game, as well was content not to get beat. So it was a really strange. It was quite a strange game for me anyway. A really strange game that was. It wasn't. It wasn't a derby. And it was never going to be a derby because there wasn't any fans in there. But even though you still expect that little bit more from it, but it was. It was very very bland. To be perf- to be perfectly honest, it, there was nothing you could you could. There's nothing that you can really talk about that game except United didn't get beat. City missed an opportunity to get themselves get themselves up the league. United are content because of, after what happened um, prior to the game, they're content not to have got beaten. Um, even I thought that United were in a position were get, going to get beat in that game. I just didn't feel that confident after what I'd seen recently, but. You have to, you know, you you come out of it and you say that United did well. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a strange one when I'm looking back at it because I, I think in the aftermath of watching a derby, uh, you, you want the team to do well and play well, and and you know, 
it was like a sparring match. You know, neither side really laid a glove on the other, and then you wonder who the responsibilities with to take the game. And I, I do wonder because all, all this sort of blame's been put on Ollie, and, and I'm not shying away from it. I, you know, I definitely think he deserves some for the way that we went out of the Champions League, and perhaps even some criticism for for Saturday because we didn't you know we didn't win the game but then you look at you look at the way that Arteta's under pressure and he's not really being criticised for his coaching ability you know and the way that Solskjaer is and and neither is Guardiola and and really in a game like that isn't that the kind of game where Guardiola's superior coaching ability is supposed to come to the fore yeah I suppose, I suppose yeah, that's what we always look at but City just looked very, very ordinary. Didn't look any different. Mm. They played, you know, I'm critical of United keep playing holding players. He had two out-and-out holding players in mm. Rodri and um, Fernandinho. But I have to say, their two holding players are a bit different to United holding players. Mm. But, um, but even then, that, that kind of made a, that made a difference for City. They, they seem to lack that creativity, that kind of that way of changing the game they never, they never had it out there and they didn't seem to want to pull it out there he had enough on the bench if he wanted to to go and do something but he seemed quite content not to not to get beat in that game but the way the game go, the game is going is if you can get in a, any kind of run and don't get beaten you are going to march up the table it's as simple as that at this moment in time the league is is that open this season and I think one of six teams could end up winning winning this Premier League title. I think there's always going to be, you know, an asterisk against it. Yeah. If you if you were to win it as a team because of what's gone on, but still, doesn't doesn't make any difference. I mean, people will always look at it as that you won a Premier League title, but it's there. It's certainly there for someone to go and to grab hold of and go and make a difference. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing, isn't it? And that's the, I think that's what makes it more frustrating that we drew. And, and there's one own win all season. We're talking about the Champions League as blame on all sides. Yeah, I don't want to say that United are one or two players away from a Premier League winning team, but one or two players would be a massive improvement in this team. You can see where the improvements could be made, and if it did bring the expected improvement. In this league, it does feel as if it could have others in contention, doesn't it? And that's that's what's so frustrating for me, Paul. Yeah, I mean, you do. I mean, there's always that one that saying is that one or two players, you're one or two players away from not being a relegation team or a team that's or one or two players away from a team that's going to go and maybe win a league. Mm. Managing managers, coaches always throw that one up, don't they? Sometimes they just needed that little bit of help to to take them to the next level, but. I think United are still. They are. They are definitely just that one or two away from getting you know, getting the right players. But I think that one of the things that Oli has to look at, he has to look at what what he thinks is his best team. And I still believe his best team has to have Van der Beek in his team. Mm. Now, I'm asking a question, and maybe because I was there and I'm watching it, I'm saying I'm asking a question: Is it because he? Van der Beek isn't playing because he wasn't an Ollie signing. Mm. Was it was he an Ollie signing? Because if he was an Ollie signing, you want him to play in the way he has played when he's come on, when he's been when he's been thrown on, when he's been chasing game, his attitude has been incredible when he's gone out there and what he's tried to do. And then when he has started games and very rarely gives the ball away, goes into tight areas with and without the ball, keeps possession wins the ball back by good interceptions, always willing to tackle, gets into the box to try and make opportunities, yet he's not playing regularly. And I find it I find it really, really strange. I, I'm not really understanding it, Wayne, why he isn't playing. Because I look at him and I think to myself, I see Fernandes, as everyone does, as United's main player. But then I look at every time Van der Beek has started or when he's come on, what a difference he makes. And you can see the way he knits everything together from midfield. Mm. And th- there's something which isn't, which isn't right for me. Now, if Ollie's gone down that road of not picking him because um, he wasn't his signing, then I think that's wrong when you look at it, that, he's, that he is better 
a better midfield player than something that he's got already. I mean, again, he's playing the midfield and, you know, I'm, I'm not a McTominay fan in a Manchester United team that is going to st still maybe still thinking about winning a league because I don't think you win a league with a Scott McTominay playing in your big games. I really don't believe that you do. I think you have a van der, you have a van der Beek in there, in that midfield instead of him. And Oli just doesn't seem to want to want to do it. The same as Cavani. Still didn't, I don't know if he felt obliged in the end to play him, but he makes a difference when he does plays. Everyone always says the words that when Cavani plays, United have got a centre forward. Yeah, yeah. And he, and, and he, Every time that gets said when he plays, and it's because he looks like a centre forward, because he acts like a centre forward. But again, he's another one who just doesn't get enough of a run out. And the fact of he's got his thing hanging over him, you know, they might get suspended is an absolute embarrassment mm. at this moment in time. Embarrassing that he's got that hanging over him because something that, you know, that he said, which, you know, which he spoke in his native tongue. And, um, you know, people say he should know he needs to be educated. Well, he's only just arrived arrived in England. Yeah, this is the education, kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, but, you know, but the Englishmen, we've gone about that many years when we've gone, gone abroad and put our foot foot in our mouth mm. straight away. But, we, you know, no one, no one, no one's ever gone and really done that to us. We've just kind of shrugged it off and, you know, sorry, I don't speak the language kind of excuse. Mm. Yeah, it's... Um well, let's talk about public speaking then. It's going to take up a, a significant percentage of this show. Well, not it's going to be the next part of it. Um, quickly on Paul Pogba and Mino Raiola. Um, obviously, Raiola comes out with those comments. Pogba then comes out after the two games and says something like, oh, don't speak if you don't know, or something like that. Which I, I think he's talking about the critics, but he should be talking to his agent about that you know it's, it's his agent who started all this by coming out and saying something that didn't need to be said Paul it's just I don't understand like why can't these conversations be had behind closed doors Does it, there's two reasons for why he's put this public it's either to force United's hand in trying to accept a deal for him and make him look like he's a bad apple and you know problem to be dealt with or to try and force United to spend more money on him uh, you know give him a bigger contract um, which I think when the more I think about it, either is as likely as the other because you know United are probably more inclined to throw money at him rather than um, rather than a club, you know, a Barcelona or a Real Madrid. Maybe Juventus might be tempted to. Um, I, I just I just don't see where this is, is all coming from. And then and then Raiola uh, saying what he did, and then Pogba plays. He comes on and then he starts against City and. Don't get me wrong. You you said the word. You said disciplined. They were like six out of ten performances. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't bad, he, and he was probably as good as it got for United. But the standard wasn't very high, and it, it to come out after those two games, United haven't won either of them, and then start saying, "Oh well," talking as if he's silenced his critics. I mean, even if you pull Pogba, his standards have got to be higher than that, haven't they? I, I just don't understand any of what happened over the last week because I don't understand what. You're trying to prove. You're trying to make him look like an asset because it, it really doesn't. It just makes him look like a, you know what I mean. To if Real Madrid are watching this and they're seeing Pogba come out for the ninth time in in sort of the last three years, exercising for a move away, um, and, and Raiola doing that on his behalf. First of all, I mean the actions are connected, aren't they? Pogba's not ill. He's not blind or deaf to what Raiola's doing, so. I just don't understand it all, all Paul. It's, it's my my conclusion is that United are better off, not necessarily just getting rid of Paul Pogba, but doing it to get rid of Raiola because it, it, there's just no point having him associated with the football club anymore. No, no, not at all. It's just ended up embarrassing again. And those people, people, a lot of people mostly thought he'd gone away, but those people don't go away. There's an agenda, and Paul Pogba's allowing it to happen. I mean, all I can say is during my time, if you had an agent and he was even 10% as loud as Raola is or was, um, to be honest, as a player, you would turn around and you would be worried about your position in that football club. 
you would be worried that he's affecting the manager because a lot of players during that they enjoy being at a football club they don't all players none of us really you get somewhere you wouldn't suddenly then be looking to the next move you'd want to be there as a reason why you went to Manchester United you didn't suddenly go there for your agent and start coming out and saying things trying to get you a move to Real Madrid if you wanted to move to Real Madrid or anything like that or something abroad you would mostly say something but you would have a say in how it was conducted because he would ask your opinion on what you want to do rather than dictating because he's thinking how much money he can make out of it because the agent does make maybe as much as the player makes Mm. when it comes down to it initially because maybe the money up front he's getting is a lot more than what the player gets the players are mostly getting the wages as well which he isn't getting but it is embarrassing what's gone on it's gone on for far too long and I just think it has to stop now and I just I just wonder has football gone that bad now has football really become that dirty now and that stained that clubs will just turn around and see him there as an agent and say yeah we can handle that we'll suffer that that he's going to do that knowing that there's going to be no loyalty there from him the moment he arrives there if it ain't going his way after four months or someone he knows that he can get him a great deal say in America or something like that someone's going to throw out saying stupid that he's going to play a game or China but he's going to play a game and get to China Mm. you know has football really come that dirty a game now that that all of a sudden that that people are picking and choosing and clubs are willing to accept to have people like him involved in football because all I can all I would say is is that there was a point where a chat um an agent would come up to you and and you'd get you'd get, you'd be maybe coming to the end of your contract and he'll he'll come up and ask is, is everyone okay how's your family this and that you enjoying where you are you enjoying living there you enjoying play- yes I am so you you're not you're not interested in moving right okay then so you would like a new contract yes and it was done just like that mm. that's that's how it was but now it just seems like the moment you get somewhere. Within two years of your contract running out, you're chasing a new one, and if you and if it doesn't, if you don't get that kind of the talk that you want, because of the manager might might not be sure of you, the manager's saying, well, there's no rush at this moment in time. Things are going well. Why are we going to rush into it? Then bang, that happens, and that kills the momentum of a team because teammates look at you, teammates look at you, and they do wonder. And I've seen it when it when when you get players who are disgruntled and they come around and certain players will get on with it and their football will always come first. But there's a lot of players who can't, can't contain themselves. They lose, they lose, they lose everything. They, their mindset is, is on about leaving and going somewhere else. They want to talk about it. So I've seen players in the dressing room who, who you, we don't, you don't talk to because their mindset and you don't want to get involved in their problems because you're... Your biggest concern is to play regularly in the team you're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I you know, fully agree, and it's just I, it doesn't feel like it's going away. Well, it's definitely not going away. It's going to be something that we're going to be dealing with for at least one more transfer. Oh, yeah, I will say one thing though, Wayne. When you look at football, has football changed that much that that really, in theory, if he was to if he was seriously to move to Real Madrid. I would have to say that Real Madrid standards have seriously dropped. Or, is it yeah. the, or football in general's dropped. The standard of football in general's dropped. Because he hasn't done enough. Yeah, that, at that's all the point that to, Yeah, to earn the right to go and play for a club like Real Madrid. If he goes there, he'll be going there by default. If you're a Real Madrid fan and you're sitting there in Madrid and you keep seeing Paul Pogba mentioned, and they must all read newspapers and pick up pick up every little bit of gossip that happens in football in England mm. and see his name mentioned and see what people are saying about him, about him and they must say, we don't want him here because he's trouble. We've got enough problems as a football club or Spanish football in general has got enough problems. We don't need, we don't need someone coming here who, if it isn't going his way after six weeks, he's going to cause us problems. That's what I think. I, that, that's me. Maybe I'm... Maybe maybe the, I've got too much dust all over me I'm old school too much but surely I mean if there was a player out there now who was any who was like acting like Paul Pogba 
as well it is now, and Manchester United were mentioned with him, I'm sure United fans will be hitting everything, saying, don't bring him here, don't bring that trouble, don't do this. And as we know, clubs take a, take a lot from social media. They look at it. They're, wary, they're very wary of it. Some will say, oh, no, it's our decision. But we all know that's rubbish, really, because everyone has a look at it for a reference point. Yeah. I, and I think that's the the key is that I, and I do that's why I'm fifty fifty on it um, that um, I do honestly think that there's probably a little bit of Raiola's incentive with this is get a new contract out of United because who who's likely to you know because United are probably a little bit more invested in the <coughs> idea of he's got potential let's see him come good kind of line but the way that I see it is like I said earlier you've got to sever ties with Raiola Raiola's really in, in my mind Paul he's the last Mourinho legacy the, the last problem you mentioned um, the changing face of football there and I think that United's when, when Mourinho came in and United went in the Champions League he sort of did a deal with the devil with Raiola to sort of bring in these players which was Mkhitaryan Ibrahimovic and Pogba and ever since then we've been at Raiola's behest basically that he's brought in other players and everything like that and there's been a lot of meddling around and the sooner you get rid of Raiola I think is um, the, the, well Sanchez was a massive step in terms of you get rid of him I'm saying that it's a bit unceremonious that I'm saying it like that but you know what I'm trying to say he, you've got rid of Sanchez the contract that he's on that's a massive legacy issue that Solskjaer's dealt with the next step into doing that is getting rid of Raiola because if if you keep him on you're basically rewarding Pogba for something that he hasn't yet done and you're investing in him in the potential that he'll one day do something I know people might say something about De Gea's contract but at least I look at that and say yeah it's not straightforward it's not you know you are complicated with that issue but at least he's been rewarded for years of brilliant performances you can't say that he hasn't earned where where he is even, even if you say well he's not first choice that opinion is valid you can have that conversation all you want I just think that at least he's been paid for something that he's done, uh, he's contributed. Whereas Paul Pogba, he's still invested in something that might come. As a, and that's United's biggest issue is that these big contracts are for players who haven't achieved and and don't look likely to. Um, and I don't mean that being harsh to Pogba. He's obviously got as much potential as anyone at the club. But like I've always said on this podcast investing in the next four years is kind of sort of like expecting the last two or three to happen again and if you do are you likely to see improvement we're not yeah. I, I don't think that we are anyway let's talk about Solskjaer um, because he, he spoke out um, after the City game about this um, being one of our best performances in the derby and you said that United were fairly good in, in the game and I can sort of see where he's coming from but I still like I said earlier I think that's more to do with how bad City were and I don't think we were particularly good. I just think that we weren't on the ropes about the game. And, and like I said, that's a lot to do with how, how poor City were. Obviously, the public message and the private message is quite different. Does it worry you that, Paul, uh, that Ollie's coming out and saying something like that? Because um, we've won against City. I get what he's saying. Obviously, those wins were counter-attacking performances and, and Saturday wasn't one. But again, City weren't as good as what they have been in, in previous games. So... Um, Am I, am I reading too much into Ollie's comments there? No, I would say that you are right. The, the game was about how poor City was, mm. to be perfectly honest. That's, I think that was said on a few occasions about talking about how poor City were. Did they re- How much did they really want it? Pep didn't look content. He wasn't getting as angry as he normally does in certain situations because there was, there was so many oh, terrible decisions by them when they got into that final third and what they tried to do and individuals were quite poor. United were just content to be a solid unit and to get through the game, more importantly, without conceding and getting a draw out of it. So for all it to say what he said after what's happened, well, you think that's that's the way to go. It is all about PR and how, how you put stuff post-match and what you say after and to keep things right and to make the players feel as good as possible for what they've achieved for achieved after what has been a bad week for him so to say that I suppose that's right in a certain way but no it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't great and the next game is just as big against Sheffield United 
it's just it's Sheffield United, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's just it's just as big as what the City game, what the City game was. So that's what Oli has to has to one he's got to go where he's expected to go into that game and not to be playing two holding midfield players. In my in my opinion, he cannot go into that game with two holding midfield players because Sheffield Sheffield United aren't really a team that's going to play through you that way. Mm. So it'd be interesting what he does in that game, but it, you know, I think people just look at it, and a lot of United fans were worried about that game coming after the after the previous game. Mm. So Oli Oli just played the positive card, and I suppose in a certain way he had a right to because it was there to be used. Yeah. I don't want to be one of these. Um, well, I'll talk about Sheffield United in a minute. Actually, the close on the public comments, public statements. I don't want to throw Harry Maguire under the bus because we, I think we've both been critical of him on this podcast and he's, he's shown some improvement of late although the um, third goal against Leipzig um, gave me a little bit of a nightmare um, generally speaking he's, he's improved and further improvement needs to come and th- I think this is where I am with this because he came out after the Leipzig game and a lot of people patched this comment next to a Roy Keane interview from 2001 after yeah, Bayern knocked us out of the Champions League. Basically, Roy, for anyone who's not familiar with that, <laughs> it's 19 years ago. <laughs> I can remember it like it was yesterday. But Roy basically came out with this big tirade about how everyone needed to improve and the standard wasn't good enough. And people want to hear that from, from Maguire. They're basically saying... Um, one's a captain and one's not behaving like a captain I just wonder Paul you know I'm a massive fan of Roy as, as are you um, and I just I just wonder if it's unreasonable to expect the same from Aaron Maguire as it is from Roy Keane because Keane was talking about in the, in the context of what Keane was talking he was talking about a great squad and wanting to get that edge back to make them a truly great side and I wonder if Maguire coming out and saying something like that, um, is it counterproductive or is it self-preservation? I'll just read through some of the comments because he says the word disappointment, uh, disappointing at least three times. He says something like, um, we started the game really poor, we went two goals down and then for 60 minutes of the game we were the strong force, a much better team. We needed uh, we need a third goal but the third goal didn't come. We knew going into half time that the third goal was going to be crucial we said the same on Saturday, but we did today we didn't manage to get it. We had a lot of shots. Bruno's hit the bar with a great free kick. On another day, that goes in. We've got to look at ourselves. It's not good enough for this club to go out in the group in the Champions League. We're very disappointed. I, I, that's fairly strong. It's, it's accepting some responsibility, but I, I do think that sometimes with some of these players because they realise that they're the ones on the chopping block that it might be an act of self-preservation that he's not being as as sort of harsh as what Roy was back in the day yeah I mean there's, there's a big difference between Roy and um, Harry Maguire hmm. Roy, Roy was a proper captain Harry Maguire in my opinion has been given the captaincy because of a price tag um, that's, that's the way I look at it he's, he's not a captain of Manchester United Roy wasn't a captain when he arrived at Manchester United, but he grew into the club and he understood the club. So when he became captain, he knew he knew he knew exactly what the club was about. Harry Maguire doesn't know what the club's about. He's only been there two minutes, so he hasn't got a clue. It's very cliche in what he's saying, the way the way he comes about and says things. And and to be perfectly honest, and I'll say this, he's not good enough to be a captain of Manchester United in all aspects at this moment in time to be there so I think that when you look at what the way he's come out and said things and the way things are is that um, I, w- I would just personally say is that I'm still astounded that he's he's actually in that position to go and talk about this, the situations like that because when you talk about that game and you, you're talking about trying to make positives out of it the first thing you should have been looking at is the reasons how they ended up so far behind. And they could have been more, by the way, because there's a goal disallowed. Mm. They, they, they got ran ragged, mm. out fought in every, every department. And if that had been Roy playing, Roy, and that Roy would, have said a completely, would have said completely different words to what he said. He wouldn't talk about the fact of getting back into it and Bruno hitting the bar and whatever. Mm. 
you might have even said words effect of you know if we'd have got back in at a free three would have gone through he would have Roy would have turned around and I don't think I'd use the, the words that Roy would use or <laughs> I don't know but Roy would have just turned around and virtually said well we're lucky to be there how how yeah. how, how have he got through yeah. Roy would have come out and said that he wouldn't have used that to try and make a positive out of it because I think the world's slowly changing now is a lot of people don't want to see players wearing rose-tinted glasses They'd rather them come out of the truth. There's always the ones who's going to... Everyone's got an opinion now on everything. But um, I think people are looking for the captain of Manchester United to come out and say it as it is, exactly what it is, because he knows exactly what the manager's thinking. And when Roy spoke, you thought... When he spoke straight away, you thought... when, When Roy said anything, or even Brian Robson, or even Steve Bruce... You just always believed is that it's something that the boss would have said, mm. because because they knew exactly what the club was about and they knew exactly what the boss was about, so you knew the kind of thing that the boss would think and would say. Yeah. Also. So the, yeah. So the players knew it that way, and I don't think Harry's got that. I don't know if Harry's got that from from Ollie at all, really. I think the the difference with Harry and and Roy. Um, Paul, you could sort of correct me if I'm wrong with this, but I feel that well, you mentioned Brian and, and Steve, they're, and they're perfect examples of this. Is that if they came out and said something, they would understand that if they were saying that the standard wasn't good enough, that they would be included in that, and they would have to stand up and have their own sort of contribution evaluated. But they were comfortable in doing that because they knew that they were giving everything. I'm not saying that Ari's not giving everything, but I think that if he comes out and starts saying that we weren't good enough. I think that he knows that he's a target. Do you know what I mean? And it's an interesting one. I, I think you're absolutely right with Bruno and um, in that he's the the captain of the team. When the way that you look at them um, and the way that they put together, but I do kind of see um, from Ollie's perspective that you can't name a player captain and then within the calendar you change the captain. So it's just gonna be one of those things where we all see that Bruno's the leader. Well, I'll tell you what, in my opinion, the way things are, I'll tell you what, it'd be a brave decision. It'd be one that just might make a big difference to him, to United fans, because yeah. he would get the big thumbs up from United fans, because every United fan can see that by the way he plays the game, Bruno, and by the way he is with the players out there, when he shows his frustration at the players. And the thing about it, a bit like Roy, is that you, Bruno would go into a position and he mostly do a better job than what you do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and that's the difference that he can make. And I personally think it would only lift Ollie if he was to go and make a decision like that mm. to go and do it. For me, it'd be the right decision to make because I think Harry Maguire's got enough problems already with his own game to be worrying about having to go and talk talk after because honestly, it's it's, it's, it's just it does it just doesn't does just doesn't work for me when he mm. when he goes there and he chats and. There's people you want to talk about Manchester United and what's hap- occurred during the game. He's not one of them. Yeah. He, he's, he's just not one of them at this moment in time. There's too much in his game that he needs to sort out first and foremost of, of being a Manchester United centre-half before he's actually wearing an armband and then trying to speak on behalf of a team that has performed badly in Europe where United are trying to, again... Go and win another. Go and win another Champions League title. The club should be trying to compete to win to win Champions League and to win Premier League titles. And at this moment, they're not being represented in the best possible way. It's a strange one. I mean, I don't know how many times I'm going to be able to say this on on this podcast, but I I still get the feeling that Oli's not going to be in charge at the end of the season because of the way that everything's going. But then again, I see a league that is there to be won, um, and that could start with um, winning at Sheffield United away on, on Thursday night and this is a strange one Paul because they had a great season last time around and on course at the moment points per game to be the worst team in Premier League history um, obviously they're going to improve that's going to balance out um, when that improvement's going to come we don't know but you know, obviously a game against Manchester United at home um, is a great game to start um, getting that form back isn't it yeah it is and it's, it's quite worrying when United are going into a game like this because <laughs> you say, oh my God, somewhere along the line, Sheffield United are going to win a game of football. Mm. You believe it's going to happen because 
they're not that bad. They are. They work so hard for each other still, and they're still key players that they've missed because they had a set way of playing. And he's brought in other players, and other players have struggled, which he's brought in to try and play that same system. And maybe if he got the players back, or if he changed the system, their you know their luck might change. But it's a tough game for Manchester United. It was always tough going to Sheffield United. To, during my time yeah. because you know because down to Bramwell Lane they just really really loved playing against Manchester United it turned turned almost into a fight that's how it was when Harry Bassett was the manager there at that time as well and it was very very aggressive and I'm sure that he would turn it that way as well the fans the fans know it and I'm sure the players know it as you know the players know it as well the better rival you know there's that there's still a created their own little rivalry of Manchester United but it's important that United go there and I really hope they go there trying to win not go there hoping not to get beat by playing two holding stagnant midfield players in there mm. in my, in, you know I really hope they go there and they're adventurous in what he tries to do and take the game to a team that really if you go and score first their biggest problem is that they're struggling to score goals. And if United allow them to go and score first, then it could be a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And then after that, um, another team who were well-organised, Leeds United at home. And, and, and in a team that, in a league that's so inconsistent, they're in 14th, they've won four games from 12, which is a decent start for any promoted side. In terms of this Premier League season, Leeds have probably got the most fair and consistent position. Lower mid-table, you say, yeah, that's probably about, about right, and they can win anyone. But you look at the team below them, Arsenal, they've already beat us at Old Trafford. The team below them are Brighton, and they outplayed us at their place. It goes to show how predicting games is foolish at the minute, and although, you know, <laughs> it, it will be tough, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's pretty much the safest bet, and that's the way it's going to be for Leeds, isn't it, as well? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I suddenly, I suddenly realised Leeds, Leeds, Leeds at Old Trafford. I mean, that's, that is a a really good game. Leeds at Ellen Road is a scary game, mm. but um, yeah, two 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 Yorkshire sides on the bounce, and it's big games. And those games there are six points. I, you know, United go and get six points, and they're in contention to win the league. In my, in my opinion, yeah. that's, 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 every, that's, what, that's what will happen. If they go and win both those games and away teams and the way results are at this moment, it will put them in contention to go and win the league because other teams won't do themselves justice over the next two games. Mm. And you look at it and you think, yeah, two, two wins would be really strong, but you could also look at it and say that United easily get two draws out of those games. But this is the thing, and... and um, Edward Wood a couple of weeks ago he was talking about um, how they, their plan is to strengthen Ollie, uh, Ollie's squad with summer transfer windows can they afford, if, if United do win the next two games, like I said they're, they're in sort of touching distance at the top of the table and they still got, I think the game in hand is at, is at either at Burnley or at home to Burnley, so if they win those games and they've got that game in hand can they afford can well, obviously the answer is no. Um, can they afford to to not miss a chance to strengthen the squad in January? But yeah, we've said that so many times. <laughs> Do you know, like, would you expect that you know they've got to take advantage of it this time and sort of say, we'll give Ollie those two or three players that you know um, they'll at least go in for them and see if they can get them in January. I know it's meant to be a tough window, but um, tougher than when tougher than the summer that we've just had they've got to try and build on a position of strength at some point haven't they yeah when you're there you, I think you have to go out there and and go for it and yeah I, I, I think maybe this, you know talking about the summer now is a <laughs> the summer window is a is a little bit too late in my opinion really I think if there's an opportunity to go and win a Premier League and if they were to get the results over the next, you know, the next, you say the next three games, mm. and they put themselves in contention. You have to look at the opportunity in January to go. As long as you're going out and you're bringing in players, you can actually hang your hat on, rather than, i.e., something a bit like Paul Pogba, where you don't know how, un, you know, they're, they're a little bit uncertain. You go out there, and you go out and you get somebody who's, who's got a good reputation, who's hungry. That's mm. that's what you go and do. And more importantly, that when you go and get them, they play regularly. 
So um, yeah, that's that's what that's what you go that's what you go and do. And if there's an opportunity there, you go and grab it. You get that's what you, you go and grab it because it can take you on to so many things. If United were to go and do it, because I'm one of those many people who are talking about pre or what's going on before. It's going to take United four or five years to get into contention. This moment's going on in our lives has allowed things to kind of alter because of the way things are. So there is an opportunity to go in there and in a certain way go and steal a Premier League title. There's a lot of teams there who could go and steal it because it's just it's there to be nicked at the moment in the Premier League if you if you get anything, if you can grab hold of um games and you can just keep winning them, you know, keep just go and keep winning games and so yeah, I think, you know, Edward Woodward, as much as, again, we don't know whether or not that's just, that's him just talking again to suit his own little narrative rather, you know, more than anything. It's, it's just, we have, it's a wait and see moment at a time for United, what's going to happen next. But the next game against Sheffield United, for me, is, is so important. If they go and play Sheffield, you know, when they play Sheffield United, they have to go there and they have to beat them well. Not going there looking to hang on. Yeah, it's... It's one of those that I said earlier. It's a fool's game trying to um, predict things, but at least we're more confident talking about what's actually happened. So hopefully this time next week we'll be talking about um, two wins. And um, that's it for this week, guys. Remember, um, we are brought to you with classic football shirts. So if um, you want a ten percent discount with them, you can use T O T D ten on their uh, checkout online. Um, obviously be a great gift for Christmas um, especially if you're panic buying at this late stage and then 10% off is always good um, if you enjoyed the show give us a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts always appreciate that that's it guys, take care and we'll be back next week to hopefully talk about two wins and that do put us in Premier League title contention Away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.